So welcome to the next episode of Can Marketing Save the Planet? And today, Gemma and I are delighted to be joined by Adam Williams, the founder of Where From. Welcome, Adam. Great to have you here. Oh, thank you so much. It's lovely to be here. So let's kick off with a bit of the backstory about what is Where From, how this has come about, and a little bit about you. Oh, okay. Um, well, we started Where From three years ago. I started it actually with my my best friend, best friend of 20 years. We've been building businesses together for, well, since we were 10 years old, undercutting the, the school shop all the way through to now, you know, having kind of tech companies and things. But um, it, it was born out of, he, he read a book called Farmageddon. If you haven't read it, it's phenomenal. You've got, you got to read Farmageddon. Um, and we were walking through the supermarket aisles and I just, you know, this is perfect, you know, marketing. You look and there's so many colors, there's so many different brands, there's so many different logos, so many different products. You know, there's like 450 different types of yogurt, you know? And I was like, how the hell am I supposed to, it was just post reading farm again, how the hell am I supposed to know which product to buy, which is the most ethical, which is the most sustainable, right? And okay, some of them have a green tractor, some of them have a blue tractor, some of them have a red tick. And, some of them, and there was all these kind of bits on the side of the packet, but really, you know, you need a PhD to really decipher all of it. And so we, we set out with a, with a goal, which was very simply, right? Something that's digestible, a, sort of a scoring index. How much carbon was used to get that product onto the shelf. We wanted to do this for every supermarket product. And also how much water was used to get that product onto the shelf. That was our initial, this is what we want to do. It was like, eureka moment. Yes, Dave, let's do it. Now, we dived into that space for about six months. It was just purely passion project stuff at this point. No, we didn't want to commercialize it. Um, I can tell you now that unequivocally, what I just described is technologically impossible. There's no way that you can have valid, reliable ways of carbon scoring and water scoring at scale, by the way. I must add the words at scale. Yeah. You can, for sure, you can do it for one product at a time, you know, over two years, auditing the entire supply chain and so on. It might cost you a hundred grand, but, you know, it, it can be done. It's just those models don't scale. And really, you need a scalable model in order to actually provide consumers with useful information at the point of purchase today we have a funny we have a funny slide you know in our in our pitch decks and things we have this funny slide that says if you life cycle assessed every product on our platform we've got half a million products it would take two million years <laughs> you know so it's like it it, it does need it, we need to understand this this problem of sustainability scoring or indexing it can't be done the way people want it to be done which is 100 percent perfect valid reliable data at the point you need it it's just impossible so being a realist we were like okay well how can we move the dial yeah. how, how can you add some value at that at that point of purchase for a consumer um and we quickly we we we, we landed on on this crowdsourced grassroots driven decentralized sustainability model which seemed quite contemporary anyway where consumers themselves could review brands and products across all the various aspects of sustainability and ethicality and the aggregation of the reviews gave the where from scores now of course i would add to this you we have a responsibility as a company to ensure those reviews are as as valid and reliable as they possibly mm -hmm. can be 
So in terms of validity, at the point of review, what we do is we inject every single shred of sustainability information that exists on that product or service or, or company. So any third-party accreditations they've got, any auditing, any lifecycle assessment, if they are B Corp certified or organic or fair trade, whatever they might be, we provide that information and show what they mean, you know, educate yep. people as, as they're doing. And we also offer the opportunity for the company themselves, the brand, to, to talk about any specific area of sustainability. So if you're reviewing the ingredient sourcing of the product, you can see what the company says on that specific aspect. You can see what third-party accreditors, certifiers, auditors say on that specific topic, and then you can grab the review, right? So we try and keep the validity high with by just adding as much information as possible. And the reliability is kept high, of course, by consensus. We're not, we're not collecting one review. We're collecting 100 or 1,000 or 10,000. So the reliability stays high just from the sheer volume of people who are, who are reviewing. And so that therefore gives you the, the scoring index. That was quite, I mean, that was probably, I talked there for about five minutes. It wasn't succinct, but um, that's how it started. Well, I mean, your mission on your website is every product and company in the world has a uh, a where from score, which, and as you've just introduced there to what you're doing, I think, you know, my head has kind of imploded, really, because that is an absolutely monumental task that you have set yourself, but a very, very worthy one. I mean, Michelle and I's marketing, sustainable marketing manifesto is we want 10.6 million marketers to sign up to it, to, uh, to basically use their powers and their voices for good. So we've got to have big targets, haven't we? Because unfortunately, totally. the uh, challenge is real. Yeah, I mean, look, every CEO really on the planet right now is scratching their heads going, we need to do something. You know, everyone's talking about sustainability. How can we showcase or leverage the things we're doing? And, and I'm okay with that, you know, and, and we want to be the platform where they can come and they can do it efficiently. We can include consumers for the first time, include, include customers as part yeah. of building your sustainability strategy. And for me, the, the problems of sustainability are global and they are consistent. In every sector, in every territory, whether you're in the States or here or Europe or Africa or Asia, whether you're talking about selling an FMCG product, a supermarket product, or if you're talking about selling a car, the, the, the same things apply. We want to reduce the amount of carbon we're using. We want yeah. to make products in a much more ethical manner. You know, and we want consumers to see and understand those things when they buy. And so that's why the, the platform itself and our model lends itself to every product, every service, every company in the world, because it is truly scalable in facing the, in facing the challenge. So where are you in your story so far and uh, how are things progressing? I'm sure you've had uh, a lot, there's a lot of opportunity, but I'm sure you've also had quite a few challenges as you've been oh, yeah. growing. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, you know, whenever you set up a business, there's always a kind of a trade-off between kind of how quickly you want to do things, how, how robust you want to set the company and the, and the software up to be, and also making money to keep your business alive and keep you growing and appease the concerns of shareholders and things. So um, I think we're quite blessed in that, in that scenario. We have incredible investors who you know, really bought into a long-term vision. So they've really allowed us to go out and build this thing from the ground up in the right way, which has allowed us to you know, really have a good impact in this supermarket space in the UK. So that was our kind of prime place. So we have you know, about 700 brands using our platform, building their sustainability strategies in partnership with their customers, getting loads of cool information and stuff out there. We have over a million verified reviews now um, of people, consumers 
review, reviewing the, the products and so on. We have over 140 certification and, and, and accreditation bodies on board partnered with us. Uh, we have live retailers now surfacing where from scores and breakdowns of scores in their e-commerce experience to showcase to customers like what products are, are more or less sustainable. So we're, we're chewing a lot off. Now, the next step, which we're kind of very soon to do is, is launching in Amsterdam in our first foray into the European markets. We'll be going live with 25 brands and a couple of retailers out there. Big, interesting space in Europe. Amsterdam's a very interesting space as well. The consumers there, are, they're very demanding of the brand. So it's a really interesting space for us. Um, and we're just about to get an office out in Chicago to, to do our first US expansion stuff, which is coming at the back end of the year. So it's, it's, it's quick growth. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, you say challenges. One of the hardest things to do is to, is to, is to scale a business quickly. You know, there's so many challenges that come with that from staffing all the way to just not fucking stuff up. Yeah. And so partnerships here is got to be key for you in, in scaling this. How, how is that being developed? How are you building these partners? Is it purely through the grocers, through the supermarkets? Or are there other organizations that you're collaborating with to try and get this scale and expansion? Yeah, but a great question. And it's definitely both. We, we ha- we're a platform, right? And any platform has different stakeholders. So we have consumers, of course, are one stakeholder. They come to us, they have the scoring index, they get a snapshot guide on what's good and what's bad. They get a place to have their voice heard. The brands, they, they're another um, uh, stakeholder. They get a, a SaaS platform that you don't see that's, that allows them to respond to reviewers, get analytics, insights, reporting tools, and so on. We have the retailers who get to consume all the data that we have and surface it on their websites. And then, of course, we have those accreditations and certification bodies, and they we actually have actively built them a suite of tools. So if you're a if you're a I don't know Living Wage Foundation, for example, you know if you, you have an accreditation, your business is set up to 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 certify people living wage accredited. Um, we have a suite of tools for you to help you prove the value of living wage um, accreditation. You know, you say, so we can say, by the way, the average beer or cider on where from scores. 5.2, right? The average living wage accredited beer or cider scores eight. You know, so these companies can actually start using consumer opinions yep. to actually get more people accredited, which is ultimately a big win for where from getting more people certified and accredited is, is a massive part of our mission. Do the scores move ever? Yeah, so everything is real time. In fact, it's not quite real time. Every kind of, I think it's eight hours, the scores are updated. Um, so, so, and and the and it's just they're updated as more and more consumers review the, the scores change. Um, long term, there's some interesting stuff we want to do. You know, powering, powering a scoring index that's not just consumer driven, like have some other data points in there that can really work that out. But I mean, we're so far away from that point. We need way more data. We need way more um, buy-in from brands, way more buy-in from the certifiers and so on. But that will come. Because I think it'd be really, wouldn't it be great if you, if just all you had was the where from, where from score in the supermarkets against all the products. Um, and obviously if they move, that makes it an even bigger challenge. But that would just be a way that people could just make those informed decisions by looking at a set of numbers, wouldn't it? Which is... Well, you know, in- Interestingly, you know, from an e-commerce perspective, if you're selling products online, the scores moving and being dynamic is not a problem because we feed yeah. the data in in real time. 
it's the in-store stuff that makes it a little bit hard. You're not going to write it on the side of, a, of your packaging because it will change, right? However, what I would say is those who are working in and around you know, supermarket, retail, and, and innovation there, you'll know that in the next two years, walking down a Sainsbury's aisle is going to be very, very, very different to what it is today. So those cards where you see, you know, club card and they're in yellow, this one's on offer, that stuff is completely being ripped out and replaced by, um, you know, technology driven um, boards that will yeah. update, you know, so almost like imagine watching a football match, you see how the, the advertising hoarding has changed from static to now it's, it's electronic and you can inject stuff in there in real time. The supermarket experience is going to become much more like that. It's going to become much more interactive and engaging as you walk down the aisle. It will spot you and it will say, there's a deal here and you'll see a price drop and there's a load of innovation going on in that space. Where from would love to be on the front lines of injecting some sustainability information at the point that you're strolling down the aisles as well. Yeah, because that's one of the challenges, isn't it? As you've identified the complexities. I mean, Gemma and I often talk about the kind of red, amber, green system. You look at a product, you can see the fats, the sugars. It, it, you know, if you see everything's in red, it, it kind of gives you that sense check or at least awareness. The challenge with, and I've seen brands and, you know, there are brands out there at the moment with their carbon data on the packaging and, and, and breaking through in that area, but it's still very confusing for the majority of, of, of people who are looking to purchase. As you said, this, I mean, how many eco labels are there? 455, I think, at the last count. You know, as yeah. you've said, how many different types of products? It's what can we trust as, as people that this is valid, this is up to date, this is authentic, this isn't greenwash, you know, this is this has got that kind of trip advisor honesty aspect to to what it is that you're doing yeah what what can we trust is a massive one and even where from still has a lot of work to do to gain trust and to be you know valid and 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 usable but also a step before that is what can they understand yes. <laughs> so so trust is almost the second layer you know most consumers but right now, let's think about the shopping experience. You walk down the supermarket aisle. Let's take my yogurt examples earlier. You're in Sainsbury's. You're looking at the yogurts. Um, what can you do as a consumer to work out which yogurt is worth buying from an ethical standpoint or from a sustainability standpoint? Well, currently, you can pick it up. You can look at those accreditation certifications that are on the side. If you don't know what they mean, you can go onto the website of those accreditations and understand what they actually mean. Or you could go to the brand's website find a CSR report or a sustainability report, read 60 pages of it and yeah. try and decipher whether you think it's worth buying or not. Now, we, we're not stupid. You, your market It's not going to happen. It's just not no. going to happen. You, know, you, need to, you need to create a system that is digestible and don't, if you chase perfection, we will lose and we'll have nothing to use. We're, we need to, need to bring something to the table that adds value, that creates a new train of thought for consumers, and that gives them a snapshot guide they can actually use in real time without having to read an essay. Um, so, so that's kind of, was, as I think, is making it simple, digestible, scalable is the, is the first point. Um, and I think these, sort of, these scores do do that. Um, and, and, and I think it has to be simple. It has to be simple, otherwise it just becomes useless. What I like is the fact that this is people talking about products and the scores are coming, as you say, from the people's input. Because right now, obviously, especially in the current cost of living crisis, people, you can put anything you want on it. But if the price isn't the price that people can afford, that's what they're going to make their primary choice on. And let's face it, marketing has played a massive role in driving price down and making sure that that is the number one reason why people select your products. 
But, you know, whether it's carbon, whether it's plastic, whether it's, uh, I don't know, all these things that make up this massive sustainability complex challenge that we've created for ourselves and is of our own doing. Unfortunately, we're also in a mindset where we just want to see one thing and that makes our purchase decision. So there's not, I don't know, there's probably a massive section of society that don't understand the challenge, don't understand the complexity, don't understand that they need to know more than just picking something up off the shelf. So hopefully I would think that if this is people talking to people, that would have much more impact than brands talking to people. And I think that's really quite a powerful thing to have that you've got there. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, you know, people, people are seeing more and more firsthand the effects of how our climate is changing is, is, is an obvious one. It's one of many things, but the climate changing quickly, it's on everyone's doorstep now. And I feel like, you know, people becoming more conscious that with every pound they spend, effectively what they're doing is investing in that company to exist. Yeah. And the reason why there's so many products that have very cheap products is because they have created unbelievably large supply chains that scale the planet. And, and it's just a scale of economy thing. If, if Nestle can sell a billion bars of chocolate, they can charge just a fraction of what a, a company who, who, who builds a thousand bars of chocolate can charge. But at some point, we need to get away from the mentality of thinking purely on price. And we have to start investing in the companies that are thinking with more of a mission um, and, and just buy less stuff. I know this, it's, it's not the easiest thing to say to a, you know, a family who have incredible struggles, you know, they, especially with what's going on right now in terms of inflation. Um, it's, it's, it's easy for me to sit here and say, oh, you should just buy more sustainable stuff and not worry about the price. But what we need to be doing is, is the supermarkets less. need to be stocking better products they yes, need to, yes. first and foremost as gatekeepers need to stock better stuff um, and then consumers need to change their mentality and this is one of the big things that we're from is really really trying to address most companies seemingly who are in sustainability are desperate to just preach to their own echo chamber yeah everyone oh look we're sustainable we do great stuff pushing it out to their followers who are also sustainable already bought into the mission already think about sustainability as a core pillar in their life what we're from doing, and by the way, this is so much more expensive to do it this way. We're trying to have crossover appeal. There's a reason why if you go on wherefrom.org that it's stupid and you can you can review how sustainable you think Leonardo DiCaprio is. There's a reason we do that. It's not just to be silly. It's because we want to have some crossover appeal. We want to do sustainability with a big fat smile. We want to be silly with it. We want people to come on board and we want to be kind of role models for those people who haven't yet found a role model to make sustainability more center of their, of their life. If you check out our, our most recent PR campaign, and if you've seen it, Stop the Wash. Did we see it? That's how we yes. found you guys. You know, that's, yeah. that's, and I was going to talk about that. You know, t- tell us a little bit about that. Well, Stop the Wash is a, is a, is a, it's just a wonderfully stupid, audacious idea that says, well, first of all, we made a song. We love music in the, in the office here. So we made a song. And within the song, the contents of the song, the lyrics within it are by default, because we released the song, that the lyrics are uh, copyrighted effectively. And so we just made every single lyric a greenwashing style slogan. You know, the future is green, green is now, that kind of stuff. So that if any big brand wanted to be perceived as, as green, used one of these slogans, we could sue them for copyright. 
Uh, this, this song is stupid. The video is stupid. And look, at the end of the day, this is all about just trying to create reach and, and touch people that haven't been really thinking about this stuff before. And we've got, by the way, our powder's dry right now. We have a lot of these silly PR campaigns coming up. You know, for those who suffer from sleep, from, from eco-anxiety, we have a, a bunch of sleep tapes that we're going to be releasing. Um, and there's some, some just really some cool stuff in the pipeline. Always, 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 we want to try and have crossover appeal. It's so important. So important because, as you say, this is this is about behaviour change, and 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 it's behaviour change not just at the customer consumer level. This is also, as you said, about the grocers being the gatekeepers and the manufacturers and the developer. You know, this is really pushing it right back up the chain, isn't it? Because it isn't. It's it's got to come in that. You know, we talk about. I was reading a report this morning out of. of ED, it's their, they're doing a benchmark report every six months now about the race to net zero and what does it what's happening, where are organizations in reality, and, and what are the pressures that are driving. And, and consumer pressure is the biggest pressure, 56%, followed by their employees, 48%. You know, these are people. These aren't, you know, we don't like the word consumer and users, but you know, we, we it is what it is. Um but this is people talking about it, and this is where we have to we have to drive that shift, not just into the people, but the people that are creating the products, the people that are the gatekeepers for those products, that have the scalable position to be making a scalable solution. You know, the yeah. individual consumer on their own may not feel that they have that contribution. We're like, do whatever you can. You know, you do can make a difference. But of course, there is there are those scalable partners and organizations where it's, you know, if Coca-Cola made a switch to do something, it would have a significant impact, you know, way more than thousands and thousands and thousands of people could do individually. So, you know, there is that incumbent responsibility from, yeah. from, these, from these gatekeepers. Yeah, I think so. I mean... Unfortunately, look, we, I mean, I say unfortunately, I mean, fortunately, we live in a, in a free market economy that has built over the past hundred years has changed into something quite, quite different to what it started. Uh, but post second industrial revolution, these big brands, these big companies, they built their products, they scaled their products. That was the rules of the game. And yep. if we were playing them at the time, we would have played them exactly the same. If you building Coca-Cola was a large success, only very recently the consumers look at it and think, well, that's not a good company because they've scaled too quickly. They've scaled too much. They're, 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 their supply chains are too big. They're, the scale of economy has actually had an adverse effect on the planet. It's quite modern thinking to think that. And so I'm not blaming anyone in the past. Mm -hmm. The problem is now to turn those monsters around and to move them into a newer, greener, cleaner space where the supply chains are, are, are let's be honest, to, to create the most ethical sustainable products, your supply chain has to be pretty expensive. You, it has to be, right? But why would Coca-Cola want to suddenly you know, make their supply chain much more expensive? It was very difficult to appease the shareholders on that issue anyway. So are they going to do, a, are they going to make a huge U-turn? We'll see. Um, I think what we can be sure of, especially from the marketing perspective, I know that's kind of the focus today is, you know, can we give mission-driven challenger brands you know built by founders who care from the core about these issues can we give those companies the opportunity to shine thrive get reach get yeah. eyeballs get visibility and so on and i think that's probably will be a quicker win 
than 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 really waiting for the big incumbents to do a U-turn. Though I would say this, there is a lot of big companies out there who are really trying hard and and I and I and I value that immensely. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I mean they are effectively, as we say, they re- they can't start. They're already so established. They have to reverse into purpose and sustainability and try and start fixing some of the things they do. I think you know current shareholders, it's a hard thing to sell to them. But there is no business on a dead planet, and that is the ultimate reality that we're facing. So I guess we squeeze every pound out of it, and then we all go away. In which case, that's pointless. Pointless. Or we do start making these changes, and I think those big big companies have got to reverse into purpose. You know, some of them are making that journey and there is a transition, you know, there is a big transition to be made both within society because, you know, there are some companies out there that couldn't just make a U-turn because of the impact it would have on society, whether we like it or not. We are reliant on their products, the energy and all of that that they bring. So I think it's, you know, they just need to be seen to be doing something. I think some of them could probably do a bit of a better job at that. Completely, completely. And, and, And to the point about retailers being the gatekeepers on that front, you know, they should be stocking better products. There's, yeah. no, there's no two ways about it because if they did, more people would buy better products. You know, so um, and we 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 work with you know a lot of the the largest UK retailers. You know, building building some really cool technology. For, I mean, they have a tough job. I will say the buying teams of Tesco. There's thousands of people buying for Tesco's in in the various categories. Um, we're trying to with the low barriers to entry now for challenger brands it's hard for them to keep their finger on the pulse of which challenger brands are likely to succeed and so on. So we're trying to build this layer. We have a new service for, 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 for challenger brands specifically to get stocked in Sainsbury's. We build them out this way from profile, which then turns into what we call the breakthrough profile. It's, it's, a, it's a different score. It's, it's made up of somewhere from score stuff and some social listening stuff and various other kind of data points nice. that shows the likelihood that a challenger brand will succeed in a supermarket shelf. And it's very valuable information for the supermarkets themselves. And of course, it's incredibly value, valuable for the, for the challenger brands because they want to get stocked too. And, and for us, that mission about crossover appeal, that's where most people shop is the supermarkets. You know? yeah. So we need to make a dent there. Do. Really, I think it's a case of, you know, as you say, just stock less stuff as well. I mean, I you use yogurts. I always use, you know, plant-based and dairy milk. And it's like, how many types of, of plant-based milk do we really, really need? Because actually it's, people say, oh, but we need choice. We don't need that much choice though, because then it just becomes confusion. And then it, you know, you just don't ever really understand what you really want, do you? Because you're either buying something because it's on offer or because it's at the end of a end of a line and it's got a big fancy I don't know, star above it or something, you know. Um, just it's just it's just a minefield shopping. Let's face it. It is so, a minefield shopping for sure. Yeah, and uh, and I, I I wouldn't want to do it without where from scores. How do people find where from? Where do how do people get involved with be contributing with the platform? Sure. I mean, you can go to wherefrom.org and start review, reviewing brands. You know. I always say champion the ones that you love. Brands that you know are great and mission-driven and are awesome. We want the, the platform to be a positive reinforcement tool, mm. not a negative one. So yeah. champion the brands you love. If you are going to leave negative reviews and, and go after brands, be constructive. Don't, don't just, oh, this brand is shit. Well, you know, be constructive. Genuinely try and have an impact to help shape that brand. Um, usually, you know, after you purchase something with a, with a partner of ours, you'll get the email where from come and review 
um, the product on where from. For every review you leave, we plant trees. You get coins. Coins can be donated to charities of your choice. We try and keep the platform as kind of altruistic as we possibly can. Um, so just, yeah, just start getting involved. I think is you can just go to wherefrom.org and off you go. And uh, what more do you think needs to be done in the industry with regards to like regulation? Obviously, the Green Claims Code came out in January, the EU Green Deal, which we're not part of the EU, but that's that's having some significant uh, impacts that businesses are going to have to conform to moving forward. What else do you think needs to be done by by businesses in order yeah. to drive this? Um, so we could we could talk about legislation. I mean, we can sit on our hands and wait for, for legislation to come in place that will do stuff. It isn't just that it's going to take too long, which that's definitely a massive problem. There's also seemingly a lack of quality in, 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 in the, the public sector's understanding of these problems. You yeah. know, it's not like they have loads of experts working inside government to come and produce manifestos and so on on this, these particular nuanced topics. Um, I, I'm just not sure that government and the, legis- and the legislation is, is, is going to work fast enough for us. Um, what I do think, and we are seeing this happen already, already, is in the private sector, what we need is better quality investors. We need investors. We need, you know, from, from our perspective, you know, the VCs are, are the gatekeepers between startups becoming scale-ups. Um, also, large investment houses and so on. We need investors to do better vetting of companies and start baking into their models of return how sustainable and how impactful these companies and these startups and these technologies will have on the planet. And I think that would be a really great place to start. Yeah, it would be absolutely. I mean, I don't know if you're following the the whole ESG debacle and conversation between Elon Musk and and, and the world of ESG that's going along around on social media platforms. But, you know, it would seem that every time they put in a structure put in, it suddenly becomes, you know, it gets gets moulded in something that sort of benefits those people at the top and never really society and the planet and what they're designed for. But it's a huge debate that's carrying on at the moment. And I think you say we need something that that actually has teeth and can actually do what it says on the tin. Throughout history, we countless times over and over again, it it requires the the masses to take action. Yeah. And there's and this idea of decentralizing the sustainability debate with this crowdsource platform is is one of the core reasons why we started it is like giving consumers an actual space to have their opinion meaningfully heard and collated you know is 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 important um brands getting involved and so on super important as well the accreditors the whole thing you know this is a i am not one of those people that thinks we can fix this overnight of course this is a transition period um but the more of this the more talking we do about these topics the better and I think, you know, your point, which I which I hold very dear to my own heart, is is this aspect about it can't it's not about being perfect. It's about getting on and doing stuff. And and, you know, fly the plane as we're building it is is totally okay if we're going in the right direction and we're doing stuff and we can gather people along the way as we're going. And I and I think that's the challenge with when we look for legislation and governments to get it, you know, everything is going to have to be perfect. They, you know, there's too much risk for those kind of structures. Whereas, you know, people like 
you know, Gemma and I, people say to me, well, what is this Ken Marketing? Said, you know what? We wrote a book. It opened our eyes. We're now on a mission. Well, who's sponsoring? And, you, know, you know what? We're just getting on and doing stuff. And, and if you like what we're doing, then you can get involved. And we're, we're, we are partnering with some incredible people and we've built some beautiful relationships and networks. And, and, and that is all just a case of just doing, 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 you know, just there was no major plan. It, it was, it was just get on and do it. And I think sometimes that's the that's the requirement action over planning and perfection isn't that just a perfect depiction of of life in general yes. you know you wouldn't you wouldn't tell your child to to plan everything and then get there you know you'd say that, you know, life is an iterative journey that you just got to keep making decisions and iterating and keep going as long as you're moving in the right direction and exactly overarching the kind of the ethics and the morality yeah. behind what you're trying to achieve is sound yeah. Yeah. even though that still evolves over time um, I think absolutely yes, and there is, there is, we are a little bit hamstring, hamstrung inside sustainability. I'm, I'm an outsider that has come into sustainability later on. You know, there's been people have been in the game for 20 years, been oh, chatting yeah. about these issues, and it feels like there is a large section of people within sustainability who are just gunning for absolute truth. 100% objective, 100% reliable, valid information on everything. And it's just not feasible. It's not feasible. You know, it's yeah. just not feasible. And, and as much as I want that yeah. down the line, you know, right now we need to make some moves. And it's not just feasible. It may not even be necessary, some of yeah. that. You know, it's, it's not necessarily progress. It's not yeah. about progression. So, so yes, sorry, and it, and it can also be completely, you know, backfire on itself because you you know if you are hunting for that then the majority will just they almost switch off because they can't comprehend it or they don't think that it'll ever get to where it needs to be so it can actually have a complete opposite effect of what they truly yes the where they want to go is absolutely wonderful but getting there is just too much for people to deal with and eco-anxiety is huge at the moment it's a massive problem I couldn't agree with you more I literally couldn't agree with word for word what you just said and it sort of loops back round to 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 like investors, for example, as an, as, a, as an example. I've had conversation. I mean, we're very blessed and we're very lucky that we're about to announce a, a big investment round for, for this stage, um, and we've got wonderful investors. But there were some investors that said no to, to like looking at the the proposition because it wasn't a scientific enough approach. That was their their, their pushback. It's, sorry, it's not science based enough, and. You know, cut, and what they're looking for, by the way, here's the real craziness. They don't want any human interaction or, or, or perspective. They don't want any human kind of crunching of information. What they want to do is they want to take outdated, rotting public information that exists out there on some companies with loads of holes in it that no one's ever cleaned. They want to tie to that some useless studies that were done and published by some journal 15 years ago that suggested something else, and then add to that some other bit of data that they've acquired from somewhere else. By the time you start multiplying these things together, you extrapolate so far from the truth. You're so far from objective reality that the data becomes useless. And yet that's more interesting than having all the information presented to a thousand a thousand consumers and taking the average of what a thousand consumers think about all this information. So it feels like maybe there's a slight unintuitive element to this yeah. that people just can't get over. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Anyway, blimey, we could talk for hours. And um, so we're going to wrap this up with our final three questions that we love to ask all of our guests. So the first question to you, Adam, is can marketing save the planet? What's your view? It certainly has to help. It certainly has to be a force for good in this space because it can certainly be a force for, for bad. We've seen that. I mean, if you look at what the role of marketing actually is, is really you know, the supply-demand element. It's to manipulate demand, right? If as long as we're manipulating the demand correctly and the right, the right voices are being heard about what's worthy of manipulating demand over, then absolutely marketing can and marketing will. And what do you hope business looks like in 10 years' time? I hope that we have an even more profound micro-business revolution where you know, people can be making their own products for even lower en- uh, sort of entry into the market than you get today, where you're buying and selling products in quite a local sphere. Some things can scale yeah. quite nicely. Um, and you- effectively, we have much more technologically focused ways of managing resources. Um, and we don't just have large corporations scaling and once they once a really ethical company starts scaling and they can just scale to the ends of the earth you start questioning things again i, I want to see more small businesses brilliant and last but not least what is if you were to give one piece of advice to others around getting started with sustainable marketing sustainable business what would it be um, well, I would probably, this is going to be generic advice and maybe not where you're expecting this to go, but sustainability tends to attract people who, who want to allow an altruistic side of theirs to come out and they want to do a lot to save and they want to help and they want to contribute. Often that's born out of a place of, um, kind of their own lives being difficult. And we've, we've created environments for ourselves today with the overconsumption of information, so social media, Netflix, whatever it is, people are just addicted to this stuff. And we've lost a little bit of kind of evolutionary meaning. And I think the number one bit of advice I would, that I would say is get off social media, stop using it, stop watching Netflix all the time, um, reconnect with yourself, reconnect with, with, with the, your, your people that you love, be there for your friends, be there for your family. And really work on yourself. Just just find yourself some inner peace, energy, good stuff. Feel good. And then when you feel good, then go and try and save the world. Brilliant. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. It's as if you tune into the conversations that Gemma and I have regularly with that commenting. Okay. So perfect. Absolutely okay. perfect, Adam. It's been a real joy having you on the podcast. Thank you so much for your contribution. Thank you for having me, insights. honestly. Good luck with everything. So much love. And um, I look forward to listening back. Perfect. Thank you.